In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a victory podcast. It was stressful. It was emotional. But we got the victory. We got the W. And I'm here with Browns Stroke Tomahawk, super fan. How are you, sir? Hey, Paul. I'm great. How are you, sir? It's a victory. Victory Sunday. Excellent, mate. I want to part it. You paid for Hugh Jackson to do a shout out for the Tomahawk show. And I want you to know... I never want you to do that for the uh, Paul Brown podcast, but um, <laughs> hey, we'll we, we talk about Hugh Jackson uh, later. But first of all, the Browns got a victory. We're then going to talk a bit about Baker's uh, comments. It's going to be to the point. Mate, how do you think the offense actually did today? Out of 10, what would you give him? I would say overall, we'll go seven. Um, oh, mate, win it. Seven, that's two. That's too neutral. It's too nice. <laughs> when, when they needed it, when they needed it, it worked. But it's still, I don't know, to me, it still kind of just seems disjointed. It seems like that those first scripted plays work out all right. Don't know who that really falls on to where in-game, in-game decisions and making adjustments and things like that. It was great to see Baker take off, you know, on his with his legs. OBJ getting some catches. We could have really dominated on the ground with uh with chubb and sprinkling and hunt uh against the Bengals in their i'm pretty sure worst ranked run defense hey they got the w i think sometimes you gotta learn how to win ugly before you can win pretty yeah i agree on that winning ugly first half we're against the team that's the worst against the run and we throw it basically every time it's yeah it's just freddie kitchen's just trying to be trick plays every time like we're going to run it. No, we're not. We're going to throw it. Right. We're going to go with a six or an eight. Because of the W, I'll give it an eight. Oh, you're so positive, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I think the only thing that i got in my back of my head is every time Baker throws, I'm always scared it could be an interception. Yeah, that's another thing that you don't like seeing, a couple tip balls, and there, there's the cause of some of those interceptions. So to me, that just kind of, that screams chemistry issues still where you're, you've got guys that aren't in sync. They're not where Baker was expecting them to be or Baker isn't putting the ball where the receiver thought it was going to be. I really hope that uh, we can keep together, you know, the offense and, ho- and keep, keep this thing together, this nucleus together to where you can start to, to gain some of that confidence and gain some of that trust. And with what you see with, with Jarvis, like to see that, to see that extend out to other players to where, you know, if, if next year teams start double teaming Jarvis and no one else has any chemistry, you know, you're in a world of hurt. Go give uh, Landry a shout out. He's just on fire at the moment. And even if that is because of uh, Odell's getting double teamed every time, it's a, it's a great partnership from a strategic point of view. Odell, it's tough, eh? A lot of um, questions online. You know, does he is he happy in Cleveland? Is he upset in the dressing room? Blah blah blah. I think it's all hype. I think he's happy. What do you think on Odell? I think uh, I agree. I think it's hype, and I think um, 
I saw a tweet from uh, Andrew Hawkins. He had put it out there because the, the reports had come out that OBJ was telling guys during warmups that, um, you know, Hey, tell your team to come get me and all that. And I thought he had a pretty good take on it. It was like you in the NFL, nothing's guaranteed. And um, if, even if you don't have any desire, you know, to go anywhere, you're always trying to, um, you're always trying to either drive up your own, your own price with your own team or whatever. So I don't, I think, you know, just like anything else, because of, because of him and because of the Browns, um, stories like this are just going to get blown out of proportion. But I think if we can continue to string together wins, we'll start talking about things that are happening on the field instead of silliness that's happening and then speculation and what it really means. I thought he did a really good job uh, earlier in the week when he said, when he had to clarify the the story from earlier in the week about, you know, this is where I want to be. And I never said that I wasn't happy. And it's sad that you've got to have guys, you know, superstar guys on the team that have to clarify that um, to the media and to the public that this is where I want to be. Yeah. Got you. All right, let's move on to the defense out of 10. What would you give it? And you can't go seven. <laughs> Um, we'll go, we'll go six, um, on the defense. You look at the day that Joe Mixon had, we haven't necessarily been the greatest against the run this year. And, uh, I thought at times Dalton was able to put it where he, where he wanted it to go. And, um, I think ultimately the way that the defense was built, you're missing the, you're missing that front four and especially missing miles Garrett. If you and I think teams now are able to breathe a little easy because you don't have to game plan for 95. So things are opening up. They've got a little bit more time. I'd like to see a little more, you know, a little better run defense. Saw our man Joe Schobert killing it again all the time throughout the entire game. So that was great to see. I think that man's going to get paid. Do you think the Browns are going to pay him? That's the biggest question. <clears throat> I think so because. I, I don't know what's going to happen with, with Kirko and uh, Mac Wilson has been great and actually saw um, I was trying to get a clip of it when they were playing the replay at the McKenzie river pub where we were, but uh, Mac Wilson out covering like a DB uh, batting passes away, which was pretty cool to see. But um, I think Joe is the, he's the, he's the brains of the defense right now. And I, I think they would be, it would be a bad look to to let him go somewhere else and continue to play at a high level, but it would have been really great to have had that shored up before the start of the season. Ward obviously got a uh, pick six. Grady Ward, I don't know, just I expected more from this season. It that just not come alive as, as strong as I thought they would, and obviously the defense is just. The D-line especially is just stuck together as best it possibly can. And I was expecting a real, real strong D-line the whole season. Yeah, this defense just looks weak at the moment. It does. And, I mean, it's about Miles Garrett. And uh, without that, you know, ferocious front line that's always getting pressure and always forcing bad decisions. Um, but uh, I think this, too, where you've got a, a defensive coordinator that wants to run, that primarily does – you know, zone defense and you've got, you've got your top two corners or, or coverage man, they're man coverage guys. So um, it's also, I think we, we were really lucky last year with 
with Ward and the, the insane season that he had, you know, with greedy, I think that'll come with time. But uh, I think coming out, that's why we ended up getting him where we got him that um, he's a little bit more of a development player and is going to have to learn how to, uh, um, how to adjust to the, to the NFL game. What about uh, special teams? What number are you going to give it? I like, I'm going to go eight. I like that 50 yarder from cyber. Um, he had a little, it looked like a couple weeks ago, he might've, he might've had the yips when he missed the couple field goals and he's come back strong. Hasn't missed a PAT has been putting, uh, putting the field goals through the uprights. And I mean, you can't ask for a better punter than the Scottish hammer. Um, the only thing, the only thing that I wouldn't give it higher for is for whatever reason, our, our kickoff returners are running the ball out of the end zone. Um, and not getting anywhere close to the 25. I mean, I get it that, you know, if you're, if you're just a yard deep in the, in the end zone, the, you know, the, the temptation is to run it out and try to break one deep, but you'd have to ask Jack to find out what the percentage is on players that take the ball out of the end zone that get, that get to the 25. Can't imagine that it's super high. I just don't understand why you, why you wouldn't just let for the gamble, but yeah. I don't know what's going on this, this season with our returns. Just seem to be sub twenty five every time. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that you know that hurts the offense. That hurt you if you're always behind behind the sticks and you're you know deep in your own end zone, or if you're you know if you it's just it's not a good look. So I think that just needs to be. I think we've got the right special teams coach. That just needs to me. That just needs to be a thing. If if the ball's going into the end zone at all, just don't touch it. Just let it go. Let it be a touchback and start on the 25. So we go with an eight, yeah? Yeah, we'll give it an eight. Love to see the 50-yarder from Cyber. And I think he's, <clears throat> I think he's really starting to, uh, to, get, to gain some confidence. And that would be nice to, um, you know, to take that momentum into next year and not have such an important position um, be questionable like it was, you know, like it was last year. And you look at you look at the really good teams. You look at the the Ravens and the the Chiefs and the um, you know any of those top teams when when they need when they need their kicker to come through with a field goal, it's lights out. Yeah, it's definitely a different story to um, Zane Gonzalez last year, where obviously it was hit and miss in some of the big close games. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Big yeah, that campaign. We're, we're going out there next week, so it'll be really interesting to see and meet with him and see what he see what he thinks is of everything at the moment. But they lost against the Steelers today, which is good that we're playing against them. But yeah, the Steelers are are now firing up the league. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Last okay. thing I want to ask is uh, Freddie Kitchens. How do you think he did? I think um, I think he was kind of robbed of the challenge uh, that did not get overturned. And um, I don't know. I, to me, it's just kind of with with Freddie. It's I think it's just kind of been a, a consistent kind of subpar thing. I don't and I don't really know where that comes from. If that's him not being comfortable with the the offensive game plan that's been called, you know, that's been set in place, and then having to you know c- to continue to call the plays, um, and then and then still having to have all of the all of the head coaching responsibilities. To me, you bring in a you bring in an offensive coordinator like a Todd Munkin that has head coaching aspirations and things like that. You would think with a first time head coach that you would offload those responsibilities 
to an offensive coordinator so you can work on being a head coach. There are so few head coaches in the NFL that can do that well. And I don't know of any of them that, that can do it well when it's their first year on the job and only having half a year's experience as a offensive coordinator um, after being promoted from running backs coach. Having said all that, I still think, I still think that Freddie is, is the right play if we can keep together this staff as much as possible. Cause if you, like, I know there's tons of people that want to see him go, but then you got to think like that's the third year of a new system, new everything for everybody to have to learn. Consistency is the key to winning. And if you are changing it every year, year in and year out, that's why we, that's why we have the history that we have for the past 20 years. Mm. I thought it was great that we we got the victory. He got the victory. I believe he got the plays calls right. Obviously, that pass in pass interception at the end was really uh, vital to help us just knock the clock down. But yeah, well done, Freddie, for getting the victory. As we said, it wasn't the most sexiest of wins, but it it was an ugly win and it was a victory. Yeah, at the end of the game, it's it's W's and L's, and nobody will remember what it looked like. I'd take 16 ugly victories every season. <laughs> now let's look at the playoffs. Obviously, Ravens at the top. Pats lost. Chiefs, Bills, Texans, Steelers, and Titans all on eight wins. Yep. Now here comes the gap. Then it's six, Browns, Raiders, and Colts. You know, we're in pole position now, but everyone else seems to be winning and, and taking some advantage. We've got three games left and there's two teams ahead of us, Steelers and the Titans with uh, two, two game victories. And even here we go, Adam, even if we Steelers lose two games and we win all three, would we go ahead of them or I don't think we would, would we? Um, it would, de- it would depend. Uh, so the Steelers last three games are, against the Bills. I think that one's in Pittsburgh. They go to the Jets. And then week 17 is in Baltimore. So I feel like you could assume they lose two of those games. You're going to lose – I would think that you would lose to the Bills. You would lose to the Ravens. Who knows with the Jets? I guess it depends on if if Darnold is seeing ghosts or not. But – if we can end up with the same record, then it goes to um, conference scheduling and there's all the, all the other different um, factors that go into it. It's going to be tough, but I was saying this with, with a buddy of mine when we, were, when we were watching the game, think about this, two years in a row, it's December and we're talking about Brown's playoff aspirations. While it's unlikely, and it was unlikely last year too, and you want to make sure that you win those early games you want to win those Titans games, the Seahawks games, some of those games that we just kind of let get away from us, um, either because we were, you know, riding high on our own hype or, you know, didn't have the right game plan or, or whatever that it is. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to have to depend on other teams to get you into the playoffs. It does feel like we are super desperate to get to the playoffs and, uh, yeah, we're less than uh, 500, we're 0.462 at the moment. So, yeah, that doesn't deserve to be a playoff team. And uh, we haven't really got the form to 
maybe get a victory in the playoffs anyway at the moment. Exactly. And but again, what I think is good is that you've got a lot of young players on this team that we're getting closer and closer to a winning culture instead of, you know, being the laughing stock of the NFL. So the, they have the Texans at home, they have the Saints at home, and then they've got the Texans at the Texans. Yeah, so that, let, let's see what happens. But yeah, it's not looking very positive. It's got to be less than 5% at the moment, surely. Yeah, I haven't seen um, – I've not seen the new percentages. Adam, I, I want to ask you a thing. You know, you're talking about the uh, laughing stock. You did, a, you did a real nice touch for the Tom Hawk show. Obviously, myself and you went to the live Tom Hawk show, and whenever they're anywhere around Ohio, you always seem to try and bump into Joe Thomas and <laughs> uh, the Hawk. And you decided to invest your – hard-earned money into a cameo appearance from Hugh Jackson giving the Tomahawk guys a shout-out, and I thought it was absolutely awesome. Yeah, so it was just kind of an idea that popped into my head. I, um, every once in a while, I'll hop on to cameo. You see a, you see a, an advert you know, for them on social media, and you kind of go in there and see who's on there and who it would be cool to, to have that. And I saw when, when Hugh popped up and um, you know, as you know, this podcast was a pro Hugh Jackson podcast for a while. And uh, I was, you know, I always think that uh, whenever Joe and Hawk talk about Hugh, they always, they always talk about him fondly. And um, it was just kind of a, a fun thing. He, he messaged me a couple hours after I had submitted it. He was really cool. Wished me a, a happy Thanksgiving and um, you know, and that's never been the issue, you know, with Hugh people that know him personally have always said that he's such a great guy. They do a really good um, with his uh, foundation to try to combat uh, sex trafficking and things like that. So I just thought it would be fun since um, you know, they went through some really dark times uh, both Joe and Hawk with Hugh and Hawk even has some more history with him when he, when they were in Cincinnati. So um yeah it was it was a lot of fun um we'll we'll see if it if it actually gets out to the guys and um i just thought it would be a, a fun little thing it was it was a congratulatory 100th episode um cameo shout out for for the tomahawk yeah awesome absolutely awesome and uh the last thing i want to finish up with is uh what do you think about baker mayfield's comments has he gone over the line has he said too much this time what do you think what i think and i think what has been missing from the, from our quarterback position since coming back into the league maybe only you know going back all the way to, to tim couch is baker mayfield is the general of this team and if you're a player on this team you know that baker has your back and a lot of times i feel like the questions that get asked of players right after you know, right after a game when emotions are high, adrenaline is running, um, you know, you're bound to say something that you, if you'd been asked, you know, any other day of the week or when you've had time to like mentally come down from what, from what you just did. Um, I saw that he had already kind of apologized and, um, you know, tried to clarify what he meant. I think that's ultimately what it is. I think he, um, 
I think he meant to say what he what he said, but I think just the way in which he said it wasn't, you know, didn't necessarily come off the right way. But then again, that's Baker. Like to me, I would rather have a quarterback like him, who's cocky, who's not afraid to throw into double, triple coverage, um, who's got that kind of gunslinger mentality on and off the field where he's not going to try to fit into any, any box other than the one that he builds for himself. Um, we've had, you know, an, as the, the number of quarterbacks on my Jersey will tell you, we've had a lot of guys come through Cleveland in the past 20 years. I would take a Baker Mayfield just for his leadership and the ability to just take over and take control over some of the other guys who were just there to, you know, who are quiet and mild mannered. Um, I think his personality matches Cleveland perfectly. Interesting, uh, interesting point. And uh, I want to uh, talk about one other thing: the mannequin in the window. We actually tried finding it last time we were in Cleveland. Okay. We went into the shop. You have to remind me the name of the shop. And um, yeah, I think they've Bro- lost it, mate. Yeah. I think they've lost it. No, no, no. They, they. I, I saw they, they shouted out on Twitter. Um, it's Brokaw. Uh, it's Brokaw Inc. It's an ad agency right there on right there downtown and for years they had the they just added names to the quarterback jersey and ultimately retired it when after the Cavs won the championship but uh yeah they had to try to to break it out in storage and and show it to us but uh yeah they they messaged they commented to it on twitter and said they found it oh it's an exclusive on the podcast it's they found it it's back that's right and uh so you know, once um, once I get all the signatures on the back of mine, we can get that one. We'll drive over to Canton and we'll put that we'll put that thing. Uh, we'll retire it and put it in the uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mate, that'd be cool. I actually will launch my video tomorrow of the Hall of Fame experience. So I've edited it all now. And I can't wait to pull up. It's took me a long time to do, but it's a really, really cool video. And hopefully it's a video which will people always watch because it gives you an insight to what's actually down there and uh, make more people visit. Absolutely. The, the experience is awesome. If, if, uh, if you haven't been, um, you know, dedicate a couple hours to it and, and really just soak it in. Um, Especially the part uh, where the uh, the Dayton Triangles, uh, the local team from Dayton, Ohio, that played in the first ever uh, professional football game that ended up becoming the National Football League here in Dayton, Ohio. Mate, that's in my video as well, mate. You get fantastic. I think you even get a shout out. But uh... nice. All right, mate. So when am I going to see you next? Am I going to see you at the Bengals game, or you're not going to bother? Yeah, so um, we're actually going to be tailgating, but then driving up to Columbus um, for uh, – we're actually going to go to a Columbus Blue Jackets game. My wife is a uh, uh, Chicago Blackhawks fan, and the Blackhawks are coming to Columbus. And normally NHL games start at like 7 p.m., but for whatever reason this game starts at like 5. So to get from Cincinnati to Columbus – if we were to stay for the whole game, the whole NFL game, even though it's a one o'clock game, 
uh, we wouldn't make it up there in time. So we're going to tailgate with some friends, try to meet up with you, see what you've got going on. And uh, we'll see if I can, we'll see if I can talk her into letting me go for the first half or something. Cause I would imagine the tickets are not going to be very expensive. Yeah. Word on the street is that they were like 10 bucks a day to get a ticket to the game. Yeah. And you know, you hate to see that because you know, you, you definitely want, I'm sure your uh the tickets when you went to uh when you were in Foxborough when they played the Patriots I I would imagine those tickets were not $10. No they they were 350 bucks uh, <laughs> a month before and they dropped down to 80 bucks on the day. So uh, oh, that's not bad. It all evens out. But uh you know, I've been I've been to a game granted it was Bears Packers but it was in Chicago um and we paid almost $200 a ticket. Um, I think you string together a couple winning seasons um, and people expect the product to be good. Um, tickets won't, tickets won't be like that. If you're always expecting and planning on being in the playoffs. Adam, where can people find your details, buddy? Mainly is Twitter. And that's at uh, Brown Superfan underscore um, on Instagram which I'm not on as much um, is just at Brown Superfan, and uh, love to have a chat with anybody that, that wants to uh, love to talk Browns, love to talk life philosophy, beer, anything you want to talk about. Mm. I'm not very good at talking about philosophy or life online, but I do like the place you go to over in uh, Ohio where you watch the Browns. They play clash. Um, London's calling all these all these cool songs. Oh yeah, one day, Mackenzie River, Mackenzie River Pub, mate. I need to go there one day. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely, we'll take you there. We'll even uh, I I always post when we're there, and whoever runs their social media usually comments and you know thanks us for for the patronage and all that. So um, if we ever get that scheduled, I'll I'll let them know that you're coming, and we'll see if we can't get something set up. Awesome. All right, buddy, mate. I look forward to seeing you over in uh, Ohio at the end of the month. Let's finish up by saying, go Browns.